What would you do if you could see into the future? Would you look ahead to find out what the winning lottery numbers were and play them so that you become richer than you ever imagined? Would you look ahead and see where your life would be in 10, 20, or even 50 years from today? Would you change your life based on the things that you saw? Or what if you looked ahead to the future and saw all of the, the trials, hardship, and struggles that would come as a direct result of your faith in Christ? Would you hold true to God and His Word, or would you renounce your faith? Well, this is really the situation that Jesus and His disciples were facing in our verses for today. Because Jesus looks ahead to the future, and He speaks both about the necessity of His own cross, and He also speaks about the necessity for His disciples and all of His followers to bear crosses in their lives as well. Now, just before our verses for today, the disciples, Peter, had correctly identified who Jesus was, stating that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that is, the one who would rebuild God's chosen people. So they understood who Jesus was, but the disciples still weren't exactly sure what the mission of the Messiah all included. And since Jesus knew it was important for his disciples to not only understand who he was, but more importantly also what it was that he came to do, Jesus took them aside in our verses for today to explain it to them. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and experts in the law, and be killed and on the third day be raised again. Now, this is the first time that Jesus had spoke about his coming passion to the disciples. And he really, really gave them a brief synopsis of everything that was going to take place. He was going to go to Jerusalem, suffer, die, and be raised. Jesus made it clear to his disciples that this is what he, the promised Messiah, needed to do. And while Jesus was very clear in what he was saying, Peter, one of the disciples, didn't like what he was hearing. And so he took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, May you receive mercy, Lord, this will never happen to you. I mean, Peter couldn't believe what he had just heard. This is the promised Messiah, he thought. This is the one who, who came to this earth so that he could rebuild God's chosen people, establish an earthly kingdom, and rule over all things for the good of his people. And here he is saying that he was going to suffer and die? None of this made sense to Peter, which is why he thought he needed to correct Jesus. And can you see why Peter thought he needed to do this? I mean, he had seen Jesus heal the sick, bring people back from the dead, and even walk on water and perform all other kinds of amazing miracles. And in his mind, all of these miraculous things were evidence that Jesus had come into this world to rule over all things and take away all of the evils and discomforts that are in this world. This is what Peter thought the Messiah should do and this is why Peter thought he needed to correct Jesus. And this is why he told Jesus that he should never endure something like death. Well, what did Jesus think of Peter's words? After all, what Peter was telling Jesus to do was to avoid his path that would lead to intense suffering that would end in death. 
Well, here's what Jesus thought of Peter's words. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a snare to me. Now, this is not what Peter was expecting to hear. Why such a harsh reply? Well, it's because while Peter and the other disciples failed to fully understand what it was that Jesus came into this world to do, Jesus understood it perfectly. Jesus understood that his death was so central to God's plan of salvation that to try and avoid it would be to do the work of Satan himself. Jesus understood that this is what he, the promised Messiah, needed to do. Not for himself, but for those he was sent to save. And to reinforce what Jesus had been telling Peter, he then said to him, You are not thinking the things of God, but the things of men. I mean, Peter had expressed what comes naturally to the human mind with what kind of power and authority the Messiah should have. Thinking that the Messiah should offer all kinds of earthly comfort and take away all kinds of earthly discomfort. The reason Peter thought that this is the Messiah he needed is because Peter failed to see the far greater issue. Peter failed to see the depth of his own sinful depravity. And because Peter failed to see this and recognize this, well, this is what led him to think differently than God. But once again, what Peter failed to understand, Jesus understood perfectly. Like God, Jesus knows the depth of our sinful depravity. And Jesus knew that he had to be the Savior, not that Peter and others want him to be. He knew that he had to be the Savior that Peter and all sinners need him to be. A Savior who would walk his path to the cross, to give up his very own life to pay for the sins of the world. Have you ever wondered, what if God would take care of all of the problems that we face in this life? What if God took care of all of the problems that we have with money, which cause us an immeasurable amount of stress, suddenly taken care of? What if God fixed the problems that we have with our, our own appearances, suddenly changed so that we're finally happy with, with who we are and, and how we look? What if God fixed all of the problems that come along with getting older, all of the, the aches and pains, all of them suddenly alleviated? Maybe that line of questioning looks something like this as well. Now, what if God would take care of all of the enemies that we face in this life who oppose Him and His Word? After all, here we are in this world having to refute all of these false teachings and to stand firm on the truth of God's word. Wouldn't things be so much better if God just got rid of all of these enemies who oppose him in this life? I mean, as we look at the world around us, seeing all of these problems and seeing all of these enemies, it can lead us to conclude that if God truly loved us and if God truly cared for us, then shouldn't he just take care of all of these problems so that we can have a comfortable and happy and content life. Like Peter, we can find ourselves questioning God, asking Him to send a Savior that would take care of all of these earthly problems. Like Peter, this fails to address our far greater problem. 
the depth of our own sinful depravity, a condition which has eternal consequences. And Jesus, hearing all of these complaints, both from us and from his own disciple, Peter, could have very well said, fine. If this is the Savior you want me to be, then we'll do it your way. Jesus could have avoided ever walking to his cross, and he could have given Peter and us what we so desperately want. But if Jesus would have done this, taking care of all of these problems and all of these enemies, then we would miss out on the one thing that we so desperately need. But since Jesus' love for us is so deep, he was willing to see past all of our selfish wants and desires and to go to the cross to be the Savior that we truly needed him to be. Jesus knows that our sinful condition leaves us unable to do anything to restore our relationship with God. And this is why Jesus made it his mission to live the perfect life that we never could. And this is why Jesus throughout his entire life put anything that got in the way of him getting to the cross behind him. So that he could walk that path. So that he could undergo that suffering. So that he could take up his cross and be the Savior that you and I so desperately need giving up his very own life to pay for your sins and my sins. Jesus knew his future. And he knew that if he was going to be the Savior that all people needed him to be, that his future involved picking up the cross. But just as Jesus knows his future, he also knows the future of his disciples and all of his followers. And as Jesus continues in our verses for today, he makes it very clear to us that his followers are to bear crosses in their lives as well. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. These words would have also been very shocking for the disciples to hear because now Jesus was speaking about them picking up crosses in their lives as well. And this would have been shocking and hard for them to hear because the natural tendency of sinful man is to serve one's own self-interest. But here Jesus is telling them to put that way of living to death. And the reason Jesus was telling them to put this way of living to death is because, as Jesus then says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The ideas of wanting to save oneself from suffering and pain and wanting eternal life in heaven are complete opposites. It's like oil and water, light, darkness, life, and death. But as Jesus says, the one who loses his life, which means one who is willing to completely give up control and follow Jesus no matter the cost, is one who will find true life in Christ. And this true life that we find in Christ is far more valuable than anything this world has to offer. A truth which Jesus highlights as he concludes in our verses for today. After all, what will it benefit a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for his soul? If someone had the chance to gain the entire world, meaning the totality of the riches that are in it in exchange for their own life. Jesus makes the point that this would benefit the person none. 
highlighting that there's nothing in this world that has a value that even comes close to the value of one's life. And this is why Jesus spoke about the necessity of his followers picking up their crosses and following him. And really what Jesus was telling the disciples and us is to recognize the importance of our faith. And Jesus was also telling us to be willing to deny the selfishness of our sinful natures for the sake of staying connected to him and his word, which is easier said than done. As we live in a sinful world that is going to tempt us with so many things that will, that will try and drive a wedge between us and our faith in God. And we live in a society that, that puts so much emphasis uh, on the possessions and the things of this world. Telling us to strive to have the biggest house, the fastest car, and the latest and greatest technology. And our society can, can lead us to be so consumed with these thoughts that they can lead us to think that to truly be content and happy in this life, that we need to have these things. Forgetting about the one thing that truly brings us contentment and happiness in this life. And we can be tempted to neglect our faith in an even another way as we think about our selfish natures. That as we have all kinds of goals and aims in this life, our selfish, sinful nature can lead us to neglect our faith for the sake of achieving these goals and ambitions that we might have. Now, whether your goal is to get the job promotion at work, to get straight A's on the report card, or whatever your goals may be, your selfish nature is going to lead you to, to think that if anything is going to distract you or take your time away from what really matters to you, then these things are just holding you back. And if something like nourishing your faith by remaining in God's word is, is going to take up a chunk of your time, well, then you can be tempted to let it take a backseat to the things that matter most to you in your life. And if you find yourself chasing after the things of this world, you will constantly find yourself looking for more. Sure, you might find some contentment and happiness, but what gets lost as a result? I mean, when we really examine the things that this world has to offer and what Jesus himself has to offer us, we see that there's no comparison. The things of this world only offer us temporary joys, comforts, and pleasures. Where what Jesus offers us is everlasting and eternal joy in heaven. And this is why Jesus calls us to pick up our crosses and follow him. And when we do so, we pick up our crosses and we follow Jesus through all the, the trials, hardships, and struggles that come with living in this sinful world. And we follow Jesus to the cross. The place where we see Jesus give up everything, even his very own life, to be the Savior that we needed him to be, paying for the sins of the world. And Jesus could have denied his cross, for the sake of, of having the riches of this world. Jesus could have denied his cross for the sake of having an immeasurable amount of power here in this world. But Jesus denied all of those things so that he could be that perfect payment for the sins of the world. And in taking up his cross and giving up his life, Jesus has assured us that we have full and free forgiveness 
for all of the times that we fail to pick up the crosses that we experience in our lives and really for all of the sins that we fall into in our lives. Assuring us that we truly have everlasting and eternal life in heaven. So what would you do if you could see into the future? Well, as we look at our verses for today, we see that that's really a foolish question to ask ourselves because we already know what the future holds for us. A difficult life here on this earth where we are going to experience all kinds of trials, hardships, and sufferings that come as a direct result of our faith. But we also know that as we endure these things following Christ, that Christ will continue to take us by the hand and lead us on the path to be with Him, giving us the crown of glory, of everlasting and eternal joy in heaven. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.